Lord, I just think about how much of life can just come and pass us by. And I, I thank you for John and his heart and his commitment to just not, not let busyness pass life by without opportunities to minister. Father, I pray for all of us as we have opportunities that are, are there. Uh, Father, would pray that you would, God, just stir within us to talk with people, to go out to coffee with uh, people from work. Uh, afterwards, or to meet up with them, or to, to call people who don't know Jesus, God, need to know Him, and so, Lord, I pray that you give us a heart to um, to see the need and to walk through those those doors. Thank you for John, his, his ministry at, at the jail. I would pray that, that would bear fruit, God, that, that these men who see and know their sin, God, would, would humble themselves, God, they'd realize that they need a, a Savior. God, thank you that you stand with open arms. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are, are crushed of their sin. God, who know they need a Savior. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would prosper that ministry this next weekend uh, coming up uh, in December sometime. Lord, would pray that you would prosper that. God, give wings to that ministry. And, Father, give wings to our ministry as well. God, to our neighbors and to our coworkers. And so, Father, we, we do also would pray now for your spirit to come and teach us. We have a, a super important question today to ask, like, where is our mind? God, I pray that you would, at Rock Valley Bible Church, God, so mold and form our minds that we would think on the things above, God, not on the things that are on the earth. Uh, Father, we need so much to have a, a heavenly focus so, Father, would pray that by your grace you would stir our hearts in that matter. God, that we would be people who would uh, lift high the name of Christ. We would think of him often. So help us in these things. So, God, open our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I want to begin with a little short uh, public service announcement, if you will. Uh, this came in 1987. Uh, Partnership for Drug-Free America. I put together a uh, uh, announcement. Maybe you've seen this before. There, who still isn't clear about what doing drugs does? Okay, last time. This is your brain. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? How many of you seen that? All right. We got another one for you. I never saw this one. This was 10 years later after the uh, uh, Partnership for Drug Free America first, step, first video. Here, here was another one along the same lines. It goes like this. This is your brain. This is heroin. This is what happens to your brain after snorting heroin. And this your body goes through. It's not over yet. This is what your family goes through. And your friends and your money. And your job and your self-respect and your future. Any questions? How many of you seen that one? Not as, not as many, but if you know anyone who's addicted to heroin, you know how true that is. Oh my goodness. Uh, we had a neighbor who was addicted, and just it affects family, affects friends, and just, just right on there. And so, you know, this, this, this theme has been parodied 
this theme has been uh, spread abroad, right? Pick up an egg. This is your brain. And smash it or do something else and say, this is your brain on drugs. It's all in an effort to keep our nation off drugs because of what it does to people, what it does to families, and what it does to our nation. Now, I show those clips not because I want to talk this morning about don't doing drugs, okay? Though kids, don't do drugs, all right? Because those, that is very, very true, all right? <clears throat> but I show those clips because our text this morning has a similar, similar parallel message. I mean, the message of these clips are real simple, right? You use your drugs, you fry your brain. You fry your brain, you ruin your life, and not only yours, but all those around you. And my message this morning is, is really simple. You want to die? Then set your mind on the flesh. You want to live? Then set your mind on the Spirit. It's really the, the two options that Paul gives to us in our text this morning, right? Dwelling, setting our mind on the flesh, or setting our mind on the Spirit. If you haven't done so already, I invite you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 8. If you didn't bring a Bible and just looking for a, a Bible in the pew, they are there, page 944. We'll, we'll get you right there. We're going to look at verses 5 through 11. As I read these verses, I want for you to think, I want you to listen for these two options, setting your mind on the flesh and setting your mind on the Spirit. And by the way, these are a common biblical admonitions. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, set your mind on the things above. Uh, um, Romans 12, 2, right? Do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a common thing, is to think right, and so live right. And that's what Paul says. Verse 5. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that's set on the, the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. My message this morning is entitled, Where is Your Mind? It's really the point of application is, is this, where is your mind? And as we go through this, I want you to think about where, where your mind is and really answer that question for yourself because the implication about where your, your mind is has great implications about your life and where you're headed. <clears throat> your life can be headed towards life and peace or your life can be headed on the path to death. It all really depends on where your mind is. A.W. Tozer has famously said, the most important thing about us is what we think about when we think about God. Again, just a, another mind quote sort of thing. Which is, what we think about God is the most important thing within us. 
And he said, and I'll paraphrase here, but if we knew exactly what a person was thinking about when we thought about God, we could predict his life exactly. Because it, it all dwells upon what it is we, we think about. And, and Paul, in verses 5 and 6, gives us two options. And, and I trust that you can see them right there, the, the, the two options, right? For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace, right? Two options, I've already put them forth. Set your mind on the flesh or set your mind on the Spirit. And, and this is similar to those drug commercials, right? The two options are there. You can brain can either be on drugs or it can be off of drugs, and just the drug commercials gave two clear outcomes, so Paul gives two clear outcomes, right? With drugs, your brain is fried and everything around you is destroyed. And without drugs, the implication is, is that you live a good, prosperous life. And with Paul, these outcomes are clear. You set your mind on the flesh, you will die. Not just your life will be ruined, but you will die. You set your life on the spirit, and you'll experience life and peace. Now, when, when I, I looked for those videos, I, I, was, I was hoping that someone would have taken Romans 5, uh, Romans 8, 5 through 11, and, and sort of, you know, done a, a something on a theme where it says, hey, th this is, this is your, your mind, right? And this is your mind, whatever, on, on the flesh. And so, I just got to describe it to you. I didn't have enough time. Uh, some, I, I could have called SR and he could have whipped up something for me. It would have been beautiful. Maybe, I, maybe I'll have him do that. But Picture with me a guy standing in a, a small house, and he holds up an egg, and he says this, this is your mind, and this is your mind set on the flesh. He proceeds to take his egg, places it on a ticking time bomb, and you hear, and all of a sudden, and this is where I come in, right, all of a sudden, there's the house, and you got this drone, right? And, and the drone is the picture there, and it slowly moves away. And then all of a sudden, boom! The house is gone. Everything's gone. And then the, it fades to black, and it says, no time for questions. Now, that would be my rendering, if you will, of, of the reality of what Paul put forth in these verses. He could not be clearer. The mind set on the flesh, is death. Now, one, one of the reasons why we don't see this, I mean, we can clearly see this when you have somebody who is who's fried on drugs or is snorting heroin. You can just see their life. They're irresponsible. They're, they're taking, they're stealing money to, to get their money for their drugs. They are lying. They are cheating. They are going overboard, they're, you know, they're, they're mess. We can see that, but oftentimes a mindset on the flesh, we, we don't see that because in God's economy, He doesn't strike people dead oftentimes for just setting your mind upon the things of the flesh. That's why I, I put the, the egg on a ticking time bomb. Like, like it's there, it's going to explode, it's going to, but we don't know exactly when. It doesn't come right away. So sometimes, right, we see the results with drugs, right? But other times, right, we don't. Because you can set your mind on the flesh and live a, a pretty normal life, right? You can be in the corner looking at things in the computer and trying to hide it from everybody, and you can be okay. Or you could, in your mind, right, be thinking of, of wicked, evil things, and you'll, you'll be okay. But God knows. And there'll be a day when it explodes. This past week in our, our prayer meeting, right, I just encourage you all to come to our prayer meeting, okay? 
just ask yourself, why don't I come to prayer meeting? It might be a good question. But our prayer meeting, we prompted our, I'll share you, by the way, it was very, very touching this week. Uh, I'll just share something that happened at prayer meeting at the end of my message. But Proverbs 29.1 was our meditation verse, and we just thought, he who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. He was often reproved, yet stiffened his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. And we talked about that. We, we talked about individuals who have been warned and warned and warned and warned, and they just, they're like almost beyond reproof, beyond hope. And, and rather, than, rather than humbling themselves and accepting that re- rebuke and, and changing, they reject the correction, and as, as the proverb says, you're right, they stiffen their neck, and eventually... And eventually, brokenness comes. And a brokenness that can never be healed. Look what it says there, right? Will suddenly be broken beyond healing. But sometimes it doesn't come right away. Right? Even here, often reproved, right? The reproof comes, ignored. Reproof comes, ignored. Carrying along. Thinking like everything's okay. And then suddenly it comes. Suddenly comes the crash. Suddenly comes some mistake or some revelation or some something. I mean, you think about how many scandals happen. Right? Uh, politicians just going along just fine, but yet all, all, all the time there's, there's something, and then all of a sudden, boom, it just pops up and explodes and ruins a life because they've been dwelling on things of the flesh. It's a, you know, it's like a volcano, right? There's pressure building that, that's happening all beneath the surface, and, and we may not see it, but there's m- dwelling on the flesh with the mind, and eventually it explodes and destroys all around, blows the top off the mountain, and so it is. If you set your mind on the flesh, its end is ultimate destruction. Though it may not be obvious to you now, it will be abundantly clear later, the day of judgment or if not, not before. And so just be assured of this, church family, the mind set on the flesh is death. Now, the flip side is, is equally true. Chapter 8, verse 6. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And again, right, if you did a public service announcement to this reality, right, it, it, it might look something like this. And again, I can put my son on this and maybe that would be, be helpful. But a guy standing in a nice spacious kitchen, he's got some nice cabinets behind him, some nice appliances, got a, an island in front of him. It's all clean, like marble tops and everything. And he, he holds up his egg and he says, this is your mind and this is your mind set on the spirit. And then he goes over and he places the egg in an incubator. And then come, whatever, three weeks later or so, there's some sort of uh, fast-forward sort of thing, and you see the, the, the eggs start breaking, and out comes these chicks. And uh, pretty soon, we see that chick fill out with yellow, fuzzy feathers, and then a little girl picks up the chick, holds it in her hands, big smile on her face, and you know what she says, right? Any questions? There it is. A mind set on the spirit. Now, of course, it, it fails. We don't want to be a chicken, right? <laughs> I mean, that chicken, poor chicken, is going to end up on a dinner table someday, okay? So we don't, want, we don't want, but you understand what I'm trying to get at, right? Taking the egg and taking something beautiful and, and pretty and lovely and tender and sweet. And that's what... Paul says, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So there, there are the two options and the two outcomes. Couldn't be any clearer. 
Well, let's dig deeper because Paul digs deeper. The mind on the flesh. He talks about this in verses 7 and 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, in verse 7, essentially, we, we see Paul defining what he means by, by setting your mind on the flesh. That is, setting your mind on something that is hostile to God. Setting your mind on something that does not submit to God or His law. The, the flesh has to deal with the, the, the physical aspect of, of our lives and everything that has to do with earthiness. And, and here, right here, beginning of verse 7, is really the key to understanding how the flesh in verse 8 is, is matching up with the flesh in verse chapter 7. How does chapter 8 match against chapter 7? Because in chapter 7, Paul said, I'm of the flesh. But now Paul says, if you set your mind on the flesh, you're going to die. And so how is that? But Paul's not going to die. How is that? Well, Paul's pretty careful. What he talks about in chapter 7 is that he is of the flesh. And he battles with sin because of it. That is, he is his human. But he would never, in, in chapter 7, or he, he never would say that I'm in the flesh. He's just careful with this preposition. Of the flesh just means I'm human. In the flesh means that's where I'm living and that's where I'm I'm dwelling upon. But Paul says his, his battles and seeking submission to God's law and um, he was setting his mind on the, the things of God was, was difficult. But he wasn't ever setting his mind on the things of the flesh. And his hostility wasn't ever towards God. It was towards his own flesh and his own sin. In fact, look at chapter 7, verse 14. Let's, let's look at how flesh is used here. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. He's simply saying, I'm human. I have human passions. I have flesh and blood. I am a descendant of Adam, and being a descendant of Adam, I am a sinner through and through. And no easier can I escape my sin than if I would get out of my body, which, by the way, is how we will escape sin. We will be given new bodies, spiritual bodies. And in fact, that's the point of, of verse 18, where Paul says, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. There he is, he's talking about his body, his, his bodily passion. He, he sees himself as sinful and wicked, but he hates it. And that's, that's the key, right? His mind is somewhere else. His mind doesn't love the passions of the flesh. The Apostle John said, Do not love the world or the things in the world, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, it's from the world. And, and that's Paul's, Paul's heart is not towards loving his flesh, it's towards seeking the Lord. In, in verse 23, he describes his battle with his flesh. He says, I see in my members, that is in my flesh, in my hands, in my legs, in my eyes, in my ears. I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. And, and there you see the difference, right? He's got a, a law of his mind someplace, a law of his members another place. In other words, we say this of chapter 8. He's setting his mind on the things above. He's not setting his mind on the, the flesh. He's setting his mind on the spirit. And there's that, that battle that, that's going on there in verse 24. And it's waging war. And it's, it's uh, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And he's just, he's just downcast and distressed because he's got this battle, this spiritual tug of war between the flesh and the spirit. One's pulling one way and one's pulling him the other way. And he's so distressed. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He's trapped in his sin. He sees his need for deliverance. And here's, here's the key is he hated his flesh. He hated the battle that raged within him. When Paul's talking in chapter 8, those who set their minds on the flesh, 
is death, right? He's not, he's not delighting in that. His mind is somewhere else, but he's struggling with his, his sin. And he concludes, and you see this dichotomy again, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And, and see, there's a difference there in chapter 7 and chapter 8. In, in chapter 7, there's the, the struggle, the recognition I'm human. But there's that struggle, and he, he, he sees the law of God. He delights in the law of God in his inner man. Chapter 7, verse 22. That's where his mind was. He was seeking the Lord. He was seeking submission to the Lord. He wasn't hostile to the Lord, but his sin that he was battling with and engaging with, he, he hated. You know, and, and see, that, that's, that's the big difference in people who are in sin. Say, say, uh, say someone who's addicted to alcohol, right? It's got an alcohol problem. If they hate it and they're confessing it, that's one thing. If they're loving it and pursuing it, there's another. Or homosexuality, right? If they're, if they're hating it and they just hate those desires they have and are confessing it, that's one thing. But if they're happily pursuing it and seeking to justify themselves, that's another thing. And that can go with drugs or gluttony or other, anything else. It, do you hate it because your mind is set on the spirit or do you love it? And that's what Paul is getting at. He would never say he's in the flesh, but he is of the flesh. Because all about where his mind is. In chapter 7, it's talking about those who are engaging in the battle. In chapter 8, it's talking about those who aren't even engaging the battle. Instead, they delight in the flesh. They delight in their sensual passions. They delight in their physical pleasures. They delight in the things of the world and their pride and their riches and their comfort and whatever else would come. They're delighting in that. And as a result, they are hostile to God and His ways. That's the point of... Verse 7, the mindset on the flesh, hostile to God. It does not submit to, to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. You know, we live in a humanistic society today that by definition, humanistic focuses upon humans and focuses upon us. It's not focused upon the Lord. And how does our society respond to the things of the Lord? Rejects Him. In fact, hostility is, is a good word. Right? In our day and age, God is not allowed in the public squares. No prayers, no use of his name. Here's, here's a great picture of, of, of our public square. The Ten Commandments just crushed, right? Taken down, taken away because we don't have, don't have anything to do with, with God. Because all these commandments here demonstrate submission to the Lord. In, in any remnant of God or Jesus, right, that, that means that we're submitted to the Lord. Until a hurricane comes, and then people are praying and they're seeking God's help. And then when hurricanes cleaned up, then they forget God again. Right? God, God just becomes like the servant boy of people just to help them in time of distress. But they don't, want, they don't really want to submit to God and His laws and His ways. Uh, our, our society today is a lot like Judges 21 25. Everyone does right in their own eyes. You do whatever you want to do. Totally. You can do whatever you want to do. As long as it doesn't hurt someone. If it doesn't hurt someone, then you can't, you can't do that. But you do... Whatever you want to do. And the only thing that isn't tolerated in our society is the one who will say, that's not right. That's not right. If you want to test that out sometime, just try um, confronting the LGBT community and, and hostility will come your way. And you say, that's just not right. And see, what's true of our society is only supported by many individuals in our society, mostly the loudest mouth people there who hate God, hate His law, 
don't want to have anything to do with him. I mean, have you ever considered this about how many people bring forth um, whatever lawsuits because whatever such a such a display offends them? Right? When's the Christian going to rise up and say not having a display offends me because I am here and I'm submitting to the Lord, right? Well, when when are Christians going to rise up and just say, you know what, it offends me that that is being lacked, that's taken down? Maybe that'll that'll help someday. But these people who don't want anything to do with him are not pleasing to the Lord. They live in their sin. Their end will be death. The wages of sin is death. Chapter 6, verse 23. And that's the fate of all who set their minds on the things of the flesh. I I hope also you notice in verses 7 and 8, just the one little word there which is important. It's the word cannot. For the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is a word of impossibility. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. Indeed, he cannot because they're spiritually discerned. If you're a natural man, the spiritual things, you cannot understand them. I, 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 like, I liken it to radio antennas, right? They're all around us. But if you're a natural man, you don't have the spiritual radio antennas to be able to, to catch what's being said. And you cannot please God. It's just not possible for those who have their, their mind just set on the flesh to, to please God. Now, that might seem strange to you. I mean, after all, doesn't God delight when His people, even non-Christians, express love and grace and, and kindness? Isn't God happy when non-Christian couple right, stays through and married for 50 years even though they, they don't want to have anything to do with God? Or when people give of the resources to hurricane relief in Houston and Florida, isn't God uh, delighting in that when people at least are being philanthropic? Um, isn't God pleased when those who don't have the law do what the law requires? And I'd say certainly, right, th- there's some satisfaction, right, when, when people live in harmony and, and peace with one another. But just like those who set their mind on the flesh, it's death. I mean, it, it's, it's talking about the end. You cannot please God. That, that doesn't mean you can't please God ever. It just means you cannot please God ultimately. It means in the things that you do, you, you, you cannot please Him essentially, because you're living a self-centered, egotistical life, and, and though you're, you're doing maybe some good things, God looks upon that and says, oh, that's, that's okay, you still will be condemned, it's the message of Romans 1 through 3, because they've neglected the most important thing in the universe, they've neglected the Lord himself, but Paul says that those people set their minds on the flesh, they cannot please God, and here we turn to our last point, where's your mind? Where, where's your mind, right? You got the option. The flesh and the spirit. Here's, here's what the mindset on the spirit is, right? Verses 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And church family, I would say the same thing. I would say, you all are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. Paul's writing to a a church, those professing to to know and love Jesus, and I know that's why you, you gather, I mean, just your demonstration, Sunday morning after Sunday morning, Small group after small group, small meeting after small meeting, right? Prayers after prayers. Um, you, you just demonstrate you're not of the flesh, you're of the spirit. 
And I see your, your spiritual minds. I see you having a passion for Jesus and for the kingdom of God. But, but Paul spends some time clarifying, and so must I. Look, look what he says in verse 9. He says, however, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Here it is, if the spirit of God dwells in you. And so what he's saying is, yeah, yeah you are the flesh, but I can't, I can't just give that carte blanche. I can't tell all of you you're in the spirit because it may be that some of you don't have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then what I said and what I've affirmed is, is true in the broad general case, but maybe not true in the specific case. Because the Spirit, when it comes into your life, is the key, right? When you trust in Christ, when you confess your sins, when you repent from your sins and turn to Jesus and cry to mercy, His Spirit will come in you, will make you a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and, and His Spirit, as it comes in you, will, will change your mind. That's how, that's how it works for being a Christian. Is it, is, it, is it you used to do these things, you turn and you say, God, I, I hate those things and I confess those things and the Spirit gives you a new mind and you don't want to do those things anymore. I've talked with people before who are involved in alcohol, right, drinking, and, and the Spirit came and they lost that desire instantly because of what God has done in their heart, giving them a heart and a passion not to follow their, their own fleshly passions anymore, not to follow the, the ways of the world anymore, following its passions, but giving us spiritual desires that want to please Him. This is exactly what God promised in the New Covenant. Jeremiah 31, verse 33. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God writing His law upon our hearts so that we don't have to say, know the Lord, because we all know the Lord, because God has dwelt within us. It's exactly what Paul was talking about in chapter 7, verse 6. We are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, as died to the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. There it is, the new way of the Spirit coming in us and giving us passions and desires to pursue godliness. And indeed, if the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, then you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit because the Spirit is in you. And that's what he's talking about. And your mind will be set on the Spirit. But if you're here this morning without a spiritual mind, if you're here this morning and just say, wow, I just, I just focus on the flesh, then take heed because death is your destiny. Right, without a spiritual mind, you're like an egg on a ticking time bomb. It's going to explode. But on the contrary, verse 11, Paul says, but if Christ is in you, right, um, he says this, right? If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, he says, although the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And again, Paul, Paul brings us back to, to chapter 7, right? Our, our body is dead because of sin. Our physical body, but the Spirit of God dwelling in us, we are alive and well. We have life and we know true righteousness. In fact, there's a, a difficulty in translating verse 10. I have the Spirit of Christ in you, although the body is dead because of sin. Some translations say that the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Or some say the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And in some regards, it doesn't really matter. What, it, what, what matters is that you're, the Spirit is coming into our spirit, making us alive in our spirits to righteousness. And that's the, the reality, is that we know true righteousness. And we have that peace and life that verse 6 is talking about. 
that to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And it really comes down to verse 11 in the power of God. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your moral body through His Spirit who dwells in you. And this is, again, this is not Easter Sunday this morning, but the resurrection, if you're attuned to it, it will come up often in the Scripture. And here it comes up again. That's why Ryan wanted to sing, um, He's Alive. or he's, he's Alive, right? He's alive because I live, huh? Because he lives, right? Because he lives, he lives in me and he strengthens me. It's the whole, the whole theme of that song, right? Is that Jesus did rise from the dead. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, right? I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. He was buried and then he was raised again according to Scripture. And he appeared to many. And there's the resurrection of Christ. He did raise from the dead. And he raised from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to rise from the dead dwells in everyone who believes in Jesus. If he dwells in us, then he has that same power ultimately to raise us from the dead. And we will be given eternal life as well, right? If the Spirit of him raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, verse 11... He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. He's going to give life to that. He's going to make it a sinless body, a spiritual body that's going to allow you to have power over sin. Right? And, and there it is. He's talking about Jesus' resurrection. He's talking about our resurrection. Listen, and when we are raised, our sin battles will be gone. You say Amen. Amen. Our sin battles will be gone. What a wonderful time. We'll know absolute victory over our sin. But, but note again, that, that word there in verse 11, that little word, if. We saw verse 10, if Christ is in you, verse 11, if the Spirit dwells in you. See, it, it's not one of such casting doubt so much as it is of clarification, okay? This great news of resurrection is only true if Christ is in you. And this word of clarification is just, it's just needed. I mean, how many times do I hear of people who are, who are content or whatever, who, who think that all is well with their lives? I was just talking to someone recently who's facing just a major crisis in his life, and he's just like, I'm good. I'm okay where I am. I just know where I'm going. But he's lived a life, he's lived a life and a pattern of disobedience for years. And he's neglected the things of God, and he knew the things of God, and he'd grown up in a church. And he's neglected. He says, okay, I know where I'm going. It's like false assurance. And what Paul's trying to do here is get away from the false assurance, which is so deadly. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that's where the comfort comes. If he dwells in you. But, but if he does, there's the clarification, right? There's victory over sin. There's assurance of eternal life. He's on the path to life and peace and joy. It all comes from Christ dwelling in us. Verse Verse 9, verse 10, whatever. Verse 10, the Christ dwelling in us. Verse 11, the Spirit dwelling in us. So I want to close my message this morning just asking you that question of application, right? Where is your mind? Is your mind on the flesh or is your mind on the Spirit? And I just say this is so important because it is the key to our sanctifications. Paul's been talking about Romans 6 and 7. But it is the key to our eternal destiny about where we're going to focus our hearts. So let me just ask you this. Where's your mind? What's going into your mind? What's going in? What's going in your eye gate? 
What's going in your ear gate? What are you looking at? What are you seeing? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Because the way to have a mindset on the spirit is to let spiritual things come in, right? And we, you know those will be, right? Maybe Christian radio might be good. Maybe reading the Bible might be good. Maybe watching good things might be good. Maybe purchasing an MP3 player might be good. Maybe listening to DVDs, watching DVDs might be good. Whatever, right? The, the good things, the spiritual things, the learning things, the, the audio books, right? The, it, and, and today it's so interesting. The resources available to us today are ridiculous. You have in your hand, if you have a phone, you have everything. You just ask me a question, I can find it on Google. I can, I can answer that question. And, and it can be used for bad, and it can be used for good. And I just encourage you, church family, use it for good. There's so much. You can, any translation of the Bible you want is there. If you want to listen to a sermon, right, you just go to sermonaudio.com, and in Romans 8, I don't know, I'm guessing 300 sermons probably on Romans chapter 8. That you can listen to in a moment. You say, oh, I, really, I want to get more into Romans 8. Well, you got 300 sermons, right? Or, or anybody, I mean, you just go to any church, all of the sermons I've ever preached here at Rock Valley Bible Church are online, at least those that were recorded. So how many is that? I don't know. I did know one time. We're up to 700, 800, 900,000, I don't know. All those messages are right there. You can grab any of them. And that's just one person. And churches all across the world are doing that. And, and on top of that, you... You can go, any book that's older than 100 years old, you can have and read for free. You can read all the works of Augustine, right? You can read all the works of Luther. You can read, you know, we got a library back there. You can take, I got CD, you can, I'm just telling you, you have zero excuse for not setting your mind on things above. I think the people who do have an excuse are those in whatever, lived in remote Siberia who didn't have access to anything. That's not you, though. And so how are you using your resources? Are, are, are your resources earthly? Are they, are they flesh? Are they heavenly? You know, I, I have uh, my shelf, a book I've read before. It's an amazing book. It's called uh, The Heavenly Man, the story of, of Brother Yoon. Just a, a remarkable, maybe some of you guys know this book, just a remarkable, passionate Christian in China. Just longing to live for the glory of Christ. But so much, just, just the word, right? The, the heavenly man. He prays hours on end, just sets his heart on the things above. Just God has blessed him in amazing ways. So I, I think about that, or, or I think about Madonna. I'm a material girl. Flat out just saying, this is what I'm about. I'm just about this world and this flesh. So who are you? Are you Madonna? Are you Brother Yoon? Now, my guess is you're probably somewhere in between. <laughs> I mean, not everybody can be like this, and we are pulled by our flesh. But I would just encourage you, right, to, to, to just use resources around your mind and to think on the things of the Spirit. If you need help with resources, I will help you with resources. I can drown you with resources, all right? It's not, the problem isn't resources. The problem is where our heart is. Well, let me close with one final, one final illustration. This is a prayer meeting. And uh, tears were shed at, at prayer meeting this morning because Darren Wiebe shared of uh, some friends of his. I, I'm not sure. I'll, I'm going to 
try to tell a story. You correct me if I'm wrong, but but he heard of uh, his friend Emily. Did you know both Matt and Emily at college? Both you two knew them, and um, and Emily uh, died in a car accident a week ago, maybe something like that. Tragic car accident. She was married, serving Christ, had uh, six kids, adopted several. Was just impacted by by God in a in a in a mighty way. And and while you were looking up Emily, you probably my guess is you heard about her, and so kind of looking on Facebook trying to find her, right? And uh, in the process, um, found an old friend of yours from high school named Carl. Not married, kind of a loner kind of guy, kind of an IT. My guess is that he died without Christ. He had no funeral service, no nothing, kind of died, lived his own life in his own sphere. He committed suicide. I think he says, mind on the things of the flesh. Emily set her mind on the things of the spirit. And at the funeral... This is what, how Matt opened up. Matt talked, is that right? This is what he said? Is that right? Somebody spoke for Matt. Okay, but here's, here's a, a message that might, Matt spoke. In fact, Darren tried to read this, and knowing Matt and Emily, he couldn't, couldn't read it. Matt said, we serve a mighty, glorious, sovereign, good God. The sudden death of my best friend, Emily, does not change or dismiss this at all. Emily would want, that want this heard from the outset that she was more focused and passionate about the glory and fame of God so above all else she would want her service to be about the glory and service of our God and Savior Jesus Christ those are difficult things to raise a husband but let me ask you could you write something like that about your spouse not that I'm wishing that but are you prepared to write that? The only way you're going to be prepared to write that is to set your mind on the Spirit. Now, I don't know Matt and Emily, but I, I know that just from seeing that, they set their minds on the Spirit. Just accepting tragedy that comes like that. Are you prepared? Are you preparing your mind now so that you can write something like that? That's a great illustration of what it means to have a mind that is set on the Spirit. Where's your mind? Oh, Father, I pray, God, for these dear, precious people whom I love and uh, pray for myself as well, that we would be those who would set our minds on the Spirit. God, not on the flesh, not on the things of this world, not on the fame and the fortune, the comfort and the, the glory and the, the sinful passions and desire. God, help us to set our minds upon you where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. God, help us to set our minds on the Spirit. God, may we be Bible readers. May we be sermon listeners. May we be song singers. God, that that just so saturates our mind that we don't know much of what's going on in the world in a right way. Oh, God, so help us, I, I pray. I pray, thank you for this day and age of technology, which gives us such a benefit, such a blessing, that wherever we are, we can set our minds on things above. I pray that the Bible app on our phone would so obliterate our other apps, God, that, that they would not even be used and touched, God, because our Bible app is so passionate for us. God, I, I pray for myself as well. I know of, of Paul's struggle of Romans 7. I know what we're experiencing, God, but I pray by your grace you'd set our minds on the Spirit. And we need your Spirit to come and do that in our hearts and in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.